0: Are you a CEM professional? Well, let me tell you about the SCORE Conference in Boston, May 20th through the 22nd. If you are a CEM pro, this is the place to be. For more information, check out omegascoreboard.com. Are you interested in cracking the customer code? You've got
1: customers. And we will help you work with them to deliver a great experience to grow your business.
0: I'm Jeannie Walters.
1: And I'm Adam Taborik.
0: Join us as we learn from those business leaders who get it. And a few who don't. And together we'll crack the customer code.
1: Welcome to episode 25
0: of Crack the Customer Code. Today we're talking about customer journey mapping. The highs, the lows, the windy trails. Get it?
1: If you have to ask if we get it. It's not a good joke. <laughs> All right. And we've got Justin Zacks, and he'll chat with us about design thinking. He leads customer experience design team for Citrix.
0: And we've got a customer hero story about Amazon Prime Now. I like the now. They're amazing. Adam, do you have any big news in your world?
1: Big news. Well, you know, my book launched a few weeks ago. It is Be Your Customer's Hero, Real World Tips and Techniques for the Service Frontlines. Woo! <laughs> book is a one-stop training guide for anyone who works with customers. Be Your Customer's Hero covers customer service from beginning to end, and you will learn some of my favorite tips and tricks for winning the mental game of service, for communicating in ways that set you up for success, and of course, for working with difficult customers. So please go to BeYourCustomersHero.com. That is com. And
0: I've heard you've got a really good endorsement on the back of the book. I'm just going to say that. I
1: have an amazing endorsement. <laughs>
0: If you are trying to get in front of business leaders or CX professionals, sponsoring our podcast is a great way to do it. For more info, go to crackthecustomercode.com slash sponsor. So Adam, what do you think of customer journey mapping? <laughs> Wait, first, should we talk about what the heck it is first? What do you think?
1: Absolutely. And I'm joking because it can be dry, but it is actually one of the coolest things you can do in customer experience. Mm -hmm. So why don't you lay it out for us, Jeannie?
0: So here's the thing. Most organizations think they know the journey that their customers take from becoming aware of their organization or their product all the way through to when they leave you. But what happens is organizations are very siloed. And from the beginning, businesses have been built to look from the inside out. And so they look from process mapping and things like that. Customer journey mapping flips that script and allows you to look at what is the actual journey that our customers are taking today and how are they interacting with us? And then the most important part is thinking about what journey do we want them to actually have? What's the ideal situation? So you can find those gaps and you can correct those things that aren't working for your customers without your org chart, <laughs> right. because that's what a lot of process mapping and things like that, that's what that's based on.
1: No, absolutely. And one of the things I like about journey mapping is the ability to analyze each touch point, because mm-hmm. not every touch point is equal. Right. So you go through, the customer goes through the journey, and this one may have a much bigger impact than that one. And, you know, I'm a big fan of sort of taking an 80-20 approach to any process Mm because none of us have enough time to do it all. Mm -hmm. And I like how customer journey mapping affords you the opportunity to do that.
0: So can I tell you my big beef with it?
1: Get into it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So here's the thing. If you do a search on Google and you look up images of customer journey mapping, you will see these amazing, beautiful visuals, right? And some of the most famous ones are Lego has a gorgeous one. Uh, there are several from uh, different uh, transportation companies that look really cool. But my problem is this. A lot of them that you see online are the very, very top level that actually never uh, get into that touchpoint design or touchpoint detail. And touch points, by the way, are those points at any point when a customer interacts with your organization. So that's everything from when they click on something on your website to when they call you on the 800 number. Any of those are touch points. And we can go on and on and on. And as you, as you know, I can do that. Yes. <laughs> but here's the thing. People get really excited about this idea of customer journey mapping. Usually there's some advocate in the organization who is really excited and gets other people excited and they want to do this. But they get stuck on the visuals. And so the whole goal becomes this beautiful map that you put on the wall and actually doesn't drive any action. And it drives me bonkers. It drives me insane because the whole point of doing this is to make change that improves your customer's life. And if you are not using it as a working tool that you are bumping up against when you think about product development or when you're rolling out something or when you are expanding something and you're really looking at Will this enrich the experience and how are we going to do this throughout the journey? Then it's really just a pretty poster on the wall. Boom. I'm dropping the mic. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Well, yeah, that's I think it becomes an academic exercise at some point. It becomes it it becomes about the map being complete and about the map Mm -hmm. being thorough as opposed to the map being effective. Right. And for it to be effective, it doesn't necessarily have to be that detailed.
0: It doesn't have to be that pretty either. I mean, yep. I love pretty maps because people can look at them and kind of internalize it and get it, and you can share it with all the different departments. But frankly, I've worked on journey mapping projects that go on months. And so by the time you get to the end of the journey, the beginning of the journey has changed since you started actually mapping it. And so if you are not taking that into account, if you are not updating it, if you are not using it as a working tool, then it's really just a really beautiful visual representation of one day many months ago that happened to a customer. So I think it's really important to look at it and figure out how can we use this in the best way. And if you, you know, there's tons of resources on ways to do that. I will say, you know, our blogs are probably some of them and just finding ways, finding resources to help guide you through that process because it's really difficult to look at your organization from the outside in. It's just very challenging.
1: No, absolutely. And the one thing I think i've seen before that just drove me crazy was an entire wall Mm -hmm. like i had an entire wall Mm -hmm. and that's great for detail and it's Mm -hmm. great to start there but it has to be condensed because no matter what human beings are looking at this thing Mm -hmm. and it's like looking at an engineering schematic at some point especially for big companies that have a very involved journey
0: And it's complicated. I and, mean,
1: you've got to break it down so humans can go. Okay, mm-hmm. this is actionable. This is something we can do something about.
0: Well, and that's actually why we started what we call micro mapping with my organization because we found that getting that macro level of customer journey mapping it's super important and great. But if you can look at one part of the journey that you know isn't working as well as you want it to, or if you know that you're rolling something out, you can actually micro map that experience before you roll it out. That's a really powerful tool to make sure that you're delivering what you want to to the customers. So I think that uh, there's tons of uses for it, but putting it in a frame on the wall is not one of them.
1: And I just have to ask, Jeannie, and and I mean this in the nicest way possible, Uh what happened to you dropping the mic?
0: That's your greatest wish, yes. isn't it? Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes.
1: Well, it looks like our journey map is taking us to our next guest.
0: Great. I'm really excited to welcome my friend Justin Zacks. Justin is a serial entrepreneur and customer experience expert. He's also passionate about user-centered design techniques like design thinking, journey mapping, and lean. He currently leads a customer experience design team at Citrix, based out of a virtual office in beautiful Boulder, Colorado.
2: Hi Justin. Hi, Jeannie. How are you? I'm doing great, thanks.
1: Hey, Justin. Hey,
0: Adam. So, Justin, you and I have talked a lot about customer experience innovation and design thinking and things like that, and it's certainly not, these aren't new ideas, but the way that you're approaching it at Citrix is pretty fascinating, I think. So, can you tell us a little bit about design thinking and how design thinking is being introduced into your process there?
2: Absolutely. Um well, I guess first, design thinking, for those who, who aren't familiar with it, is uh, a user-centered design technique that uh, kind of really focuses on on empathy and understanding your customers first and foremost. And it's, it's ultimately a method that takes um, practitioners from empathy all the way through really making sure you're defining a problem in a customer-centric way, um, and then being able to brainstorm and then Prototype and test solutions uh, to, to solve those problems. So, and at Citrix, you know, um, as you said, design thinking has been uh, really critical to our customer experience uh, evolution. Um, I think most, most importantly, because of that empathy component of design thinking. Mm-hmm. You know, about, yeah, about six years ago, um, you know, like many companies who were kind of growing up into their adolescence, um, Citrix um you know kind of found ourselves in this place where um we were we were i don't want to say losing the face of our customer but but sort of uh, in that mode where we were um focused on our uh, on our core products and trying to scale those products and trying to sort sort of grow as a business and i think as many companies do at that point in time it's important to kind of circle back and make sure that your your portfolio that's expanding very fast Mm-hmm. Is is sort of still addressing core customer needs, and so um, what our CEO did is is brought in uh, sort of design as a function uh, centrally, hired a, a leader um, who some of your listeners may have heard of Catherine Courage to kind of come in and, and kind of um, drive a a more customer centric approach for the company, mm. and um, the way she did that, which which I think is brilliant, is. She said, you know, if, if our goal is to become more customer-centric, um, you know, we need to figure out a method or, or a way to really dive deep as a company and, and make that a cultural change. And uh, she, she chose design thinking, which, uh, as I've explained before, I think really is great in terms of driving customer empathy. So that's kind of where it all started for us.
1: You know, what I love about design thinking is how it connects the process to the customer's but there's so much talk about it in cX now you know sort of being approached as a holy grail. where do you think it's worked and where do you think it's fallen short
2: i mean the first the first area where I think we weren't seeing all of the return on investment that that we wanted was that although design thinking had really achieved some cultural transformation for us had had really um had really inspired large pockets of our organization to think from a more customer centric perspective. There were still important pockets of the organization that were sort of operating still in the old way, you know, still operating from an inside out thinking perspective instead of outside in. And so what you had was this kind of um, simmering creativity that we were creating in our business, um, a bunch of people super inspired by design thinking. Who are you know, ultimately still hitting roadblocks um, w- within our business. And the second thing that that I think, um, you know, we saw, and I, I think this is not unique to Citrix. I think even in talking with uh, the Stanford D School, who's a huge uh, proponent and part of the driving force behind design thinking, one of the things we're seeing is, um, you know, it's sort of hard to take a bunch of folks out of their day job. And put them into a, uh, an environment, you know, even if it's a an incredibly inspiring environment, like like the Stanford d school, teach them something like design thinking and then send them back to their day jobs and expect that somehow magically um you're gonna get you're gonna get the re- like business results from that. And what we found was folks would come back with all of this energy and you know, ultimately, you know, three, four, five weeks later, um, that that spark was somehow, Suppressed by the daily grind, you know, the <laughs> whole, the, the whole way of doing things, um, people saying no and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, the kind of the third thing I think that, that we saw with design thinking and, and we're still, you know, uh, working through today is, you know, design thinking, as I've said, is, is fantastic for driving sort of that customer empathy, sort of the desirability piece of, of a value proposition. It's also really good at helping with the feasibility component, you know, mm-hmm. getting folks to kind of prototype and test and iterate and, and make sure that what you're proposing is something that could be built. But I think the third piece of that puzzle is, is what I call viability, right? Or really mm-hmm. bi- business impact. How do you drive and track business results from some of these things? And I think design thinking, as good as it is at driving uh, cultural change, um, we found we've we've needed to look at new ways to sort of um, get at that business viability component.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and I think I, I have a unique uh, perspective here because I had a little bit of a front row seat to some of this as it was happening. And one of the things that has always impressed me about the way you guys are handling all of this is that you are letting the information and letting people understand how to look at things from that customer perspective. And they're starting to come to you. They're starting to say, we want to know more about our customers. And one of the ways you've done that is through some really good customer journey mapping techniques. So I'm wondering if you can share a little bit about what you've done there and how you've applied design thinking to the customer journey mapping process.
2: Um, well, for, for one, using journey mapping more as a strategic framework. hmm you know, kind of taking on big, large-scale, end-to-end journey mapping projects that really look at a customer's journey from early awareness all the way through becoming a raving fan of your company and using that, that framework sort of um, to drive company decisions at the strategic level, mm-hmm. telling that journey and that story and those moments that matter, um, hopefully in a, in a very compelling way across the company, and then sort of using that along with nps and customer satisfaction and other you know quantitative methods to sort of drive an agenda for the business and you know one of the things that we came up with for example was you know out of any big journey mapping effort that we do we come up with like the top uh, the top 6 customer experience opportunities within that journey mm-hmm. and we use that sort of as a roadshow to go say Look, this is our customer's journey, and here are the things as a company that that we should be focusing on from a strategic perspective if we really want to drive that experience to the next level. Um, and there's a few other things, Jeannie, I mean, just to mention, um, you know, I, I sort of just touched on it, but using journey mapping is a culture change tool. Mm-hmm. Um, not only telling the story, but having assets that are available to all employees, you know, customer journey websites. Mm-hmm. Um, inserting that journey into new higher trainings, um, so we've we've done a lot of that. And the one the one th- there's two though that I've been really excited about most recently, and one is using journey mapping sort of as a competitive tactic.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, <laughs> and, and you know we've done some of that. I mean we map our competitors' journeys as well,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and it, I have a funny story around that one. We um one of my colleagues attended a a um. A conference where she was doing a talk on on journey mapping and some of the things that we were doing. And after the talk, one of our our biggest competitors uh, was was attending the conference and, and approached her and said, are, "Are you really mapping our journey?" And 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 my colleague said, "Well, well, yeah, we are." And 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 the competitor said, "Well, can I see it?" <laughs> <laughs> and so I think, you know, there's really something there. And I'm not sure everybody's doing this, but we've gotten a lot of value out of saying, look, what is our competitor's experience and, mm-hmm. and how are we truly different um, in what we're doing? Uh, we like to say that we're different, but how are we really? And then, um, you know, the last one I'd say, Jeannie, not to leave it off the table, is is uh, we've started using journey mapping uh, externally with our customers as mm-hmm. a customer engagement tool. So, you know, what we found is that our customers, in, in our case, you know, Citrix largely works with enterprise IT organizations,
0: mm-hmm.
2: uh, helping them to deliver great experiences to their employees, to their end users. And one of the things we found a, a lot of traction with is, you know, helping our customers, those enterprise IT organizations, to do some journey mapping on their customer's experience. And and journey mapping is such a great tool for that because it really is simple. It's straightforward. It's right. visual. You don't have to be a rocket science to kind of to kind of participate in it. So mm-hmm. we found a lot of intra- attraction in sort of engaging our customers around their user experience um, mm-hmm. and helping them with journey mapping.
0: Well, as usual, Justin, you and I could probably talk about this all day. <laughs> yeah, this has been great. So I appreciate you sharing what you guys are doing because, as I said, I kind of had a front row seat to it and uh, was part of some of what you've done. And I, I think it's really uh, – it's forward thinking because it does provide a framework that other people are looking at and thinking, I I can use this to not only make my customers' lives better but to make my job easier. And I think that's the – the direction that we have to go with these types of tools. So, uh, so thank you so much for coming on and talking with us about journey mapping and design thinking and all the cool things you're doing. And I hope it's a beautiful day in Boulder. All
2: right, guys. Thank you very much.
0: Thanks. Take care. Bye-bye.
1: So Jeannie, get out your trumpet.
0: Why is that?
1: Because it's time for a customer hero, customer zero. So let me ask you a question. Do you have a hero for us today?
0: Do I ever? We have spoken about Amazon a lot on this program before, but today they're our hero for the first time. Wow,
1: well, I can't believe they haven't made hero yet.
0: I know. So, congratulations, Amazon. Now you've made it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you've arrived. But this is specifically about their new program called Amazon Prime Now. And it's only being piloted in a few places, but they're rolling it out pretty quickly. So who knows how many cities it will be in by the time people listen to this. But let me ask you are you a Prime member?
1: You know I am. I'm a Prime addict, there's a difference.
0: <laughs> and so, what do you love about it?
1: Well, I'm lazy. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, convenience. It's all about convenience mm-hmm. and cost effectiveness. And they, I mean, they have me, you know, they really do because I have all my information in there. It's free two day shipping for most of what I order. Mm-hmm. And barring a huge price discrepancy for many things, I go straight
0: there. Well, and I think what they've done a really good job of with Prime is introducing more and more features as it evolves. So, Now there's all this instant video, Prime video that you can get. They're they're releasing original content just like Netflix and everybody else. Uh,
1: And they have the whole HBO catalog, which you you and I are both big HBO fans.
0: Yes, yes. And uh, they've got a lot of things that you can't really find anywhere else I found. But Prime Now is going to blow your mind. (laughs) Ready? So they're piloting this in in just a couple cities, like I mentioned, like Miami and Dallas, New York and Baltimore. I think Atlanta was added And it's really kind of amazing because Prime Now has two levels of the offering and it's for existing Amazon Prime members. There's free two-hour delivery. Did you hear that? Two-hour delivery. So if you're sitting there and you're like, you know what I really need? is another pair of skinny jeans because I'm Adam and I love skinny jeans.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Nice, thanks.
0: Uh, You could get your skinny jeans in two hours in some cases. I
1: have to complete my hipster look.
0: (laughs) That's right, that's right. (laughs) And you can even get one hour delivery in certain zip codes for $7.99. So $7.99. So if you think about what this does, I see it as a total disruptor But if you peel back the layers of the onion a little bit and see how they're doing this, it's incredibly clever. I have no idea how their distribution works, except I do know that as part of this program, you agree to kind of a mandatory tip of a minimum of $5 to the driver who drops it off. So what that means is the customers are actually helping pay for the delivery mechanism. And by agreeing to do that, the driver feels good about it. And so they've got a bigger fleet than they might have. Uh, the costs are kept down for the actual purchases, and they can offer this in this really amazing way. And clearly, the inventory isn't what it is on Amazon.com, but it's still amazing. I mean, I think it's in the well into the tens of thousands of products that they say they have available via this, this way.
1: Well one, we have a whole generation coming up that basically wants immediate responses to everything. Mm -hmm. And now Amazon is setting expectations of a two hour delivery window. Mm -hmm. So as of now I am officially out of customer service. (laughs) There's no way to win in like ten years. We're all we're just dead.
0: Well the robots will take over (laughs) by then, so we're good.
1: We'll be okay. Rise of the machines. I like it. (laughs) All right. So here's what's interesting to me, because you know, we always talk about you know, in fact we were having the Tinder episode and we talked about differentiating customers and all that. Mm -hmm. And there's pretty much going to be no way for them to roll this out outside of major markets. I mean, to me, I know you say we don't know what they do. We don't know. But, well, I do know the laws of physics and (laughs) operations and some things are, you know.
2: (laughs) Oh, science. Sorry. Sorry.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, math. (laughs) Why can't one plus one equal seven? (laughs) Why not? (laughs) But, you know, they obviously have to have a distribution center to make this work. It's the only way it works. So it'll be interesting to see.
0: I wouldn't. Well, put if, a pass they, if they get pricing. the
1: helicopter thing going, yes,
0: or the drones. The, well, that's
1: what I meant. The drones. Excuse mm-hmm. me, but yeah, if they get the drones going, sure. But in the short term, yeah, I mean, it's going to be a big city play if it works at all. So it's really interesting to test. On the other hand, I'm excited personally because really I do live excited. in a major market. I live in a big enough market where they can make it work. So
0: mm-hmm. well, and I'm, you know, I'm hoping it comes to Chicago soon. But I think it's going to be interesting to see. First of all, who uses this? Because I don't think it's just millennials. I think it's people like you and me who are just super busy. I mean, if I had this available two hours before a kid's birthday party, you have any idea how many times I'd use it instead of running to the local store, which is terrible, right? Because that's what this disruption might do. It might force decisions, or not force, but we have options that we didn't have in the past, and that might actually take away from local retailers. So there might be a dark side to this as well, But I think for customers and for Amazon to innovate in this way, I think that's a win. I think that's a hero.
1: Yeah, I think it will absolutely, again, just like Amazon has continued to do for over a decade, shift the landscape of what that competitive environment looks like. Right. And, you know, one thing I would really, really, really want to see the technology that they use for the drivers. Mm. how to route it and how to get everybody in the right place to make these windows because it's got to be incredible.
0: Well, they pro- it's probably similar to how Uber and Lyft provide their own navigation because they, they want to provide the best route. So I bet that they have something that possibly they've developed that they are, you know, again, the robots are taking over. <laughs> <laughs> That's the message really that we're trying to get across here. <laughs> Just we are
1: all useless. Prepare for the robots.
0: <laughs> And the drones. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that sounds good. Well, I think we can wrap
0: up there. Excellent. Well, thanks for listening to Episode 25 of Crack the Customer Code. I'm Jeannie Walters, and you can find out more about me at 360 connectcom
1: And I'm Adam Tport. My website is stick.com. Find more episodes and all the show notes at crackthecustomercode.com.
0: Hey, and if you haven't already, please subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher so you'll never miss an episode. And we love reviews. Please leave us a few stars and a few comments about what you like, what you'd like us to do more of, or guests you'd like us to invite. And please tell
1: someone you know we love when you tell your friends. Until next time, take care of yourself.
0: And take care of your customers.